Welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Today is Thursday, July 29th, 2021. Can you imagine? July 29th, 2021. Almost, almost in August, and we are in the in middle of the Torah portion of Akev with some incredible themes and, and teachings throughout this, uh, this Torah portion. So we're in Akev, and since today is Thursday, we're going to cover reading number five. So... Rabbi, yes. can I Sure. So today Always. is actually, by you, you know, mentioning the date, it reminds, it's actually the birth, you know, my father, of course, passed away a while ago, but it's, it was his birthday today. That's very special. Yeah. That is yeah. very special. So let's dedicate the class to your dad. What was, uh, do you know his Hebrew name? Moisha, Murray Moisha. Moisha, beautiful. Do you know his father's name by any chance? No. Okay. Your gra- it would be your grandfather's name, either Hebrew or English. Uh, recording. My brother is but I don't. We can ask him in October. <laughs> no, I don't remember. Right. Okay. Hold on one second. We're getting a lot of uh, reverb on that. Okay, so... Um, all right. Moshe, if we don't know the name, we go Sarah. So Moshe... And what was his last name? Bogatin, the same name. Oh, Bogatin. Yeah, yeah, I got my name. Moshe yeah. Bogatin. Okay, so his his uh, his soul should continue to ascend in uh, in in the greatest of heights and be a, a as I say a good the better a good advocate on high for you and for your brother for the whole mishpacha for the whole family and uh, on this his birthday he should be proud of the Torah that you're studying and that we're all studying. Here at DPP. All right, so let's jump in. What a, what a very special day. So let's jump in to the Torah reading. Here we go. Um, today is reading five. Let's jump in. Okay, we got a good reading here, and it looks like it ends with your favorite, Donna. A land flowing with milk and honey. Hey, listen, it works out. Okay, here we go. Oh, we start with a, with a phenomenal verse. Let's, let's jump in. Va'ata Yisrael. This is Moses speaking to the people. He addresses them. Shema Yisrael. Listen up. Vi'at Yisrael. And now, Jewish people. He says, and now, O Israel. Verse 12. Chapter 10, verse 12. And now, O Israel. What does the Lord, your God, ask of you? It's like, what's God already asking of you? It's only to fear the Lord, your God, to walk in all His ways and to love Him and to worship your, the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. What's the big deal? That's what Moses says, right? Like, what is Hashem asking from you already? He's only asking you to fear Him, to walk in His ways, to love Him, to worship Him with all your heart and with all your soul. It continues, verse 13, to keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command you this day for your good. Five things. Moses tells the people God is asking of them. Again, Moses, shortly before his passing, speaking to the Jewish people, says, What does Hashem want from you already? He only wants a few things. Fear Him, walk in His ways, love Him, worship Him, and keep the mitzvot. The Talmud says... Okay, so that's what Moses says. The Talmud says like this, because the first thing that's mentioned is, he says, 
only to fear. What does Hashem want? He only wants you to fear Him. No big deal. So the Talmud asks, what, is fearing God just a little thing? He says, oh, what does Hashem want? He only wants you to fear Him. Like, no big deal. Like, is it no big deal? Isn't that a big deal? The Talmud answers, it is, it, it, it is no big deal for Moses. Right? Moses was the one speaking. So to Moses, fearing God, being in awe of God, was not a big deal. So he says to the Jewish people, what does Hashem want from you already? All he wants is you to fear Him. So do it. But what do you mean? It's hard. Okay, but for Moses, it wasn't hard. So Chassidus asked the question. Chassidic philosophy asked the question. So one second. How does that answer the question? Talmud says, so how is, 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 is Yira, is fear a small thing? It's a big thing. So how come Moses downplays it? Oh, to Moses, it wasn't a big deal. But Moses wasn't speaking to himself. He was speaking to the people. So the answer that's brought in Chassidus based on Kabbalah, based on Jewish mysticism, is that each one, and here's the big idea that I'm dropping on you first thing right? Fresh out of the box. Every single one of us has a little piece of Moses inside of us. There's even a song about this, right? <laughs> There's a little, I got it. How does it go? I got, I got the power, some, whatever. Anyway, each of us has a little bit of Moses inside of us. Each of us has a spark, a ray, a whatever you want to call it, of Moses inside of our souls. And relative to that part of our souls, indeed, fearing God is a milsa zutrasi. It's a small thing. It's an easy thing. It's a doable thing. So just to clarify that, we have a soul that is rooted on high. Our souls are godly souls come from the highest of heights. It, it's, a, as the author of it says in Tanya, our souls are literally a piece of God. It's now, I use it, God has many pieces. Let's leave the theological questions aside for a moment. The soul, the godly soul, is a piece of God. And you and I have a piece of God inside of us, the godly soul. But what's the problem? Or what, so, so, how come we don't feel like that always? Because there are different, different layers of the soul. The soul is also in a body, and it contends with an animal soul that has its own agenda. It's complicated. It's not like the godly soul is the only game in town. We've got a lot of other dynamics inside of us. But there is, but here's the point, there is a part of us. The etzam hanefesh, the core of the soul. The yechida, the level of the fifth dimension of the soul. You call it the pintaliyid, which is like the core Jewish essence. Whatever phrase you want to use, the concept is the same. And that is that there's a part of us that always remains plugged into our source because it can't not be plugged into a source because that's its own identity, right? It's not like you can choose to plug in or not plug in. You are that source. That, it, that source is part of you, right? If, you, if we have a piece of God inside of us, well, that piece of God is a piece of God. It can't choose not to be a piece of God. That's what it is. And the question is, do we identify with that piece of God inside of us or do we identify with some other reality or some other so-called reality. You know, today we talk about identity and choosing identity. This is at the heart of Tanya. The heart of the book of Tanya is, is that we have two identities. There's a godly identity and an animal identity. And it, we are the ones who choose free choice, which identity we are going to identify with at every single moment of our lives. In this moment right now, who am I? Am I a godly being sent here on earth to accomplish a wondrous mission? Or am I 
a more evolved animal with a brain. That's my choice. My choice is not only how to behave. That's already at the end of the process. My choice is how to identify. How do I identify myself? How do I see myself? A divine being? Or in the image of God? Or dust of the earth? Dust or image? How do I see myself? And how do I see the other person? Getting back here. Getting back to our verse. Moses says, what's the big deal? All God wants from you is to fear him. And the Talmud says, is that, only, is that a little thing? It's a big thing. No, to Moses it was a little thing. And Chassidus adds, and to you and I, it's also a little thing when we're aligned with our core identity. When you and I embrace our divine truth, when you and I totally accept our Moses-like reality, then this is doable. It's doable to love God. It's doable to be in awe of God. It's doable to walk in His ways, to worship God, and to keep the commandments. It's all doable when we identify, when we identify with our divine core, also known as the part of Moses inside of us. Rabbi, so where do we learn that Moses is inside of us? It's brought in Kabbalah. It's brought in Jewish mystical teaching. Yeah. Sorry, I was taking a sip of my uh, Pamplemousse, LaCroix. So I was, I was like trying to answer too quick. But yeah, it's, it's brought down in Kabbalah and Hasidic philosophy elaborates on it. Um, where's the original source of it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's brought down in Kabbalah. That we have a piece of... But, but here's the thing. What does it mean we have a piece of Moses? What Moses was split up? It means it's not, it's, these things are never to be understood like literally. What, what, and, but let me explain. What does it mean that we have a piece of Moses? Who was Moses? Moses was the most dedicated human being to God ever. You and I, there's a piece of us that's also like that. That's what it means. Piece of Moses means that you and I have a part of us that's like Moses. That's Moses-like. There's a part of us that totally identifies, is humble to and subservient to and totally embraces God as the absolute reality. That was Moses. That's not me. There's a part of me that is. But I need to identify. I need to see it. I need to embrace it. And I'm not trying to downplay it. It's hard work, but it's doable. It's doable. I just thought of something. So actually, it's in a way, it's more relatable that he remained in the diaspora. Because right. we're all in the diaspora. Correct. Correct. By the way, you should know. You should know. That the Rebbe spoke about this in the context of his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, who passed away in 1950 and who was laid to rest in Queens, New York, in Old Montefiore Cemetery. And the Rebbe spoke about his father-in-law, how he remained in the diaspora to, in whatever way, you know, continue to inspire the diaspora, like Joseph, who, who was buried, in, who, well, was initially interred in Egypt until the Exodus, and like Moses, who was interred outside of, outside of Israel. Of course, being buried in Israel is an incredible honor and schos and merit to the soul, and there are many benefits to that, as discussed in many different places. But on a level of a tzaddik, of a leader, of a rebbe, there is something special about that kind of relatability, as you're talking about, um, identifying 
with the, the community and the community identifying with the leader and that whole symbiotic relationship. We have a piece of Moses. We're charged to, um, you know, be like Moses as, as much as possible. Remember in the 1990s, there was a, or maybe 80s, late 80s, 90s, there was a slow, the, Nike had a, I think it was Nike, that had a thing, be like Mike. Remember that? Michael Jordan, be like Mike. It was like, be like Mike. What does it mean? Buy, buy, buy merchandise, right? Give, give, give money to the company, be like Mike. Anyway, we have our own be like, be like Moses, right? Moses is dedicated to God. Let's be dedicated to God, Moses, right? So this is what, what emerges from these first two verses. Ray, jump in. One more quick. Oh, sorry. One second, one second. John, yeah, Donna. We're also, we're direct descendants of Abraham, right? Yes. Yeah. I think so. Haven't checked, but yeah, that's, uh, supposedly, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's, the, that's the thing. Ray, jump in. Why would we want to identify with an animal when you said we, we have a um, I, That's a good question. I think we have to ask ourselves that. And anytime we get angry, we're identifying with our inner animal. Your question is why? It's a good question. I don't know why, but I'm just, the fact is it happens, right? Every time we get angry, what's happening? We're identifying with, uh, uh, with our inner animal, not with our inner divine soul. If we were identifying with our godly soul, we wouldn't get angry. We wouldn't get jealous. We wouldn't get, uh, you know, sad or, or down with the challenges of life. We would always rise to the occasion. We would be nobly present in every moment and, and attuned to God. It's a very tall order. We're not tzaddikim. So we have moments of nobility and moments of the opposite. But your question is, why would we identify with the animal? You're right. It's a good question. It's a, it's a Fabrengan question. Yeah? At a good Fabrengan, that would be the question that's asked. Yeah? The Mashpia, the one who's leading the Fabrengan, would say, why would you want to identify with your animal? And everybody would be like, you're right. Why would we? And hopefully the next morning, we would be inspired to not identify with our inner animal. But life is not always so easy. Life presents challenges, and it's, uh, sometimes we find ourselves slipping into that animal persona. And when I say animal persona, just to clarify what that means, animal persona means ego-driven. Again, not, nothing against animals, but it's about self-protection, self-preservation, right? It's if I, if I feel threatened, I'm going to lash back out. Right? I feel scared sometimes and angry sometimes and happy sometimes, but happy over the physical things. Oh, I found some grass to eat. I'm so happy. Right? Oh, look, I got this new thing. I'm so happy. It's like that's the animal, that's the animal persona. It doesn't make sense, but hey, who says it makes sense? Right? Overcoming folly. Exactly, Donna. That's where we're studying Sunday mornings. Why do we sometimes do silly things or identify with an animal? Yeah, that's what... You're right. So we're working on it. <laughs> we're working on it. That's the that's life. It's a work in, definitely a work in progress. Okay, let's continue. Moses continues his message to the people. Verse number 14. Behold, to the Lord your God belong the heavens. Hold on, why am I stuck here? Behold, to the Lord your God belong the heavens and the heavens of the heavens. Aha, who knew that there were heavens to the heavens? Um, I mean, we kind of know, right? It's, it's, there's many, many layers, whether it's physically or spiritually, many different dimensions beyond ours. So God owns everything. You know, everything belongs to God. The heavens, the heavens of the heavens, the earth, and all that is on it. Okay, in other words, God is in charge. 
God is the only force, the only reality. Let's continue verse 15. Only your forefathers the Lord desired. Who did Hashem love initially, right? Your forefathers. Hashem desired them to love them, and He chose their seed after them. And who is their seed? You. He chose their descendants, you, out of all peoples, as it is this day. And as it is this day means that there is this, um, this powerful, um, present, ever-present thing. We've discussed this many, many times, and I try to always mention this. Every time the Torah uses the word Hayom, or Kayom Hazah, whatever it is, it means literally right now. It means today, it means right now. It is uh, an ever-present reality. Um, so Hashem has chosen us, and we discussed many times, chosen doesn't mean better, it just means chosen, selected for a very specific task, specific role, Torah and mitzvot. It's not meant to cause arrogance, God forbid, or to look down on anyone. Of course, that's, that, that shouldn't even, I shouldn't even need to bavar in that. I shouldn't even need to preempt that. But I'm doing it anyway, just in case we can misconstrue this. This is about a special relationship, a unique relationship with a unique code. All right, getting into the uniqueness of the Jewish people, we have verse 16. Right? We know typically part of the Jewish covenant is circumcision, but here Moses mentions it with a bit of a twist. You shall circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Therefore, and be no more stiff-necked. Let me explain. The idea here is that just like a bris, a brit milah, just like a, a circumcision in the, in the literal sense, remove some sort of layer, right? So too, Moses tells the people, you need to, to also do the internal work. This is a theme that we have throughout Torah. We discussed this back, all the way back, months ago, when we were exploring the book of Leviticus. And we spoke about the animal sacrifices. And I mentioned the commentaries that say, what do you think it was about the animal? It was about the inner work. It's about... It's about offering the inner animal. Speaking of animals, I guess we're on that theme today, right? It's not about only offering the, the animal, the actual literal animal. It's about also offering the inner animal. The inner animal um, tendencies, temptations, all that stuff. It's about transferring their energy away from the animalistic to the holy. Okay? So it's not just about the physical. It's also about the spiritual work. The same thing is here. Brit Milah circumcision. There's a physical manifestation of that or a physical act of that, but there's also the spiritual work. And Moses here speaks to that in chapter 10, verse 16 of Deuteronomy. You shall circumcise the foreskin of your heart and not be so stiff-necked. Don't be so stubborn. So foreskin of the heart, again, it's not an actual thing. It's, a, it's an internal thing. What it means is become more sensitive. Become more sensitive to the truth, to God, to spirituality, to Torah, to mitzvot, to Judaism. Become more sensitive to the real things. What makes us cry? What makes us laugh? What gives us pleasure? Right? What gets us very excited in life? The physical stuff, right? The mundane stuff or the spiritual stuff? 
That's a question no one else answers for us. We look inside and ask the question and address it within ourselves. What gets me excited? What gets me happy? What makes me sad? The physical stuff or the spiritual stuff? If we're lacking in the spiritual, then the message here is what Moses told the people. Circumcise the foreskin of your heart. What, there's, no, there's no app for that. It means working on making ourselves more spiritually sensitive. How? Study more Torah, do more mitzvot. The more we engage in something, the more we throw ourselves into that area, the more we'll care about it. That's the way it works, right? You know, you don't know about a certain topic, you don't care about it. You start researching it, you throw yourself into it. Suddenly, you care. It becomes relevant. Make Judaism relevant in our lives. That's the message here. Make it relevant. Be sensitive to it. Jump into it. Okay. For the Lord your God is a God of gods and the Lord of the lords. Okay? He's Elokeho Elokim Adonai Ha'adonim. He's the God of gods and the Lord of lords. Oh, I mean, you know, why God and Lord, the different meanings. All right, whatever. We'll leave that for another analysis. But that's basically God is the ultimate, the ultimate source. The great, mighty, and awesome God. Hakel, Hagadol, Hagibar, Vahanora. Great, mighty, and awesome God. And that phrase, by the way, is how we begin the Amida. Hakel, Hagadol, Hagibar, Vahanora. That phrase right here, borrowed from Scripture, the one that I highlight in the Hebrew, the great, mighty, and awesome God in English, right, right there. That's a phrase that's lifted, cut and paste into the beginning of the Amida. It's part of our way of describing God in the Amida and the holiest of Jewish prayers. Said three, four or five times every day, no matter whether it's a weekday or a holiday, the same phrase is used. And God is the great, mighty, and awesome God, Moses continues, who will show no favor, nor will he take a bribe. You know what that means? There's no shortcut. There's no shortcut. I'm not going to do the work. Who do I need to pay? Yeah, ah, I'm not going to become sensitive. That's not going to happen. I'm not, I don't have time to do the work. I don't have time to do everything. Who do I make the check out to? Not, that's, not, that's not how it works, says Moses. God does not show favor. He doesn't take a bribe. You want a relationship? You got to work at it. That's it. No shortcuts. You want a relationship? Relate. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's it. Yeah. He executes the judgment of the orphan and the widow. Yeah, so what does that mean? The orphan and the widow. Those that traditionally, historically were downtrodden. Today, I think it's different. Hopefully it's different. Right? There's more compassion in the world overall. Um, back in the day, and, and you know, I, it, it's, I know it's not back in the day only. I know it's today also. Those that are in vulnerable positions in society are oftentimes taken advantage of. Whether it's in this country or other countries. It's the way it is. So it's, it's horrific. God, Moses says, you know who God is? Doesn't take a bribe. God is authentic. That's a good word, authentic. So it's a very authentic word, authentic. God is authentic. You can't fool around with God. No bribes, no favor. God sticks up for the orphan and the widow. God loves the stranger. Yeah, the outcast, the one who's not like you. God loves the stranger to give him bread and clothing. 
You shall, and now Moses segues and says, if God loves the stranger, you too, you shall love the stranger. For you, Jewish people, were strangers in the land of Egypt. You know how it feels to be an other. You were othered in Egypt. Don't other someone else. Are you with me on this? Yeah? Powerful declaration right here. Chapter, I keep on forgetting the chapter. Chapter 10, verse 19 of Deuteronomy. Don't other another. Because you know what that looks like. The first step is, oh, they're not like us. Oh, they're dangerous. Oh, let's get rid of them. Oh, let's enslave them. Oh, let's kill them. That's the progression. That's what happened in Egypt. The Egyptians said, oh, who are these Jews? They're other. They're not us. Oh, they're dangerous. They're going to band together and destroy us. Oh, we need to get rid of them. Oh, we need to kill them, etc. That's how slavery begins. That's how Egyptian, the Egyptian story begins. I don't mean to oversimplify things, but it's a very poignant point, and it's not me who's drawing the parallel. It's literally the Torah. It's literally Moses who's drawing the parallel. And I'll just read the verse again. Verse 19. You shall love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. And you know what it's like when there is not love, the opposite of love, directed toward the stranger. It ends in disaster. That's not a good thing. Don't repeat that mistake. So what's interesting is, you know, when, when, when thinking about, I'm going to use a heavy word here, and it's a heavy topic, but I'm going to use the word anyway, abuse. One of the realities that we know about abuse is that it's very often, I don't know the statistics, I wouldn't pretend to, but it, it does happen, and I believe it is somewhat common, that individuals that have been the victims of abuse sometimes can manifest that upon others at a certain point. In other words, the cycle of abuse continues where the, the abused becomes and can become an abuser. And psychologically, why? Maybe because that's what they know or that's what they've been trained, whatever. Again, I'm, I'm not making this about abuse and pretending like I know the topic. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I'm not an expert in, in, in abuse and trauma, but I will say this, that Moses was concerned, as we see in verse 19 here, that I've highlighted in a strange way. Um, in verse 19, Moses was concerned that the Jew or the Jews who had been victimized would victimize another. Right, having been the minority, having been othered, having their own land, having their own place, would then turn and victimize the other. And that is dangerous. So you have to love the stranger. You were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, I know the question is, so what do you do? How do you do it? You think about Israel today. So what's, what's the best way to go? I don't have an answer. But I'm telling you what Torah says. I'm telling you what Moses says. This is the principle. How we make it work, we have to make it work. But this is, the, this, is the, this is where we're headed with this. This is the goal. Let's continue verse number 20. You shall fear the Lord, your God. We mentioned that before, right? Fear the Lord, your God. Moses repeats it. You shall fear the Lord, your God. Worship Him and cleave to Him and swear by His name. In other words, He is your only, God should be your only Source of, of where you turn to. So when you're swearing by anyone's name, not swearing in a negative way, but like 
you know, looking towards something, it should be with God. He is your praise and he is your God who did these great and awesome things for you, which your eyes have seen. And person today in 2021 might say, yeah, well, we haven't seen the miracles. And I just go back to what we talked about, I think, yesterday, two days ago. We need to open our eyes. We need to open our eyes. I haven't seen great miracles. Okay, you woke up today. Who says it's not a great miracle? Oh, because you woke up yesterday, so you take it for granted? Okay, that's a you thing. That's, that's your choice. You choose not to see it as a miracle. Life not being a miracle every moment, every day, is a choice. It's a choice to be ignorant to the miracle that's right in front of us. Okay, but don't say there's no miracle. Say, I choose not to see it as a miracle, but at least let's have an honest conversation. <laughs> Where are the miracles? I don't see the miracles. Slow down. You're saying, I choose to not see miracles as miracles. Okay, so then we can have a psychological and spiritual conversation about why that choice is being made. But don't say there are no miracles. Yeah, but I didn't see the sea split. Okay. Who says seas have to split to see a miracle? We had a course early on in the pandemic. This was right after Pesach, 2020, right after Passover. The course was called... Miracles? Was that the name of the course? Miracles? Just one name? Miracles. Let's see if that's what it was called. Miracles. Yeah. And it was all about miracles. And one of the big ideas that we had in that course was, one of the, one of the big ideas is that there are miracles all around us. And the question is, do we choose to see it? Let's continue. Oh, and by the way, you know what one of the great miracles for Jews are? The fact that we're here. Verse 22, with 70 souls, your forefathers descended to Egypt. And now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of the heaven in abundance. We came from 70 to millions of people. In Moses' time, there were between 2 and 3 million Jews. Baruch Hashem, it's amazing. The growth is amazing. We've discussed many times about how the growth is still small, but we've got to be grateful for what we have. And also, I've mentioned before, this may sound familiar, that the, a deeper meaning about being as the stars of heaven in abundance, either is quantitatively or qualitatively. What's, what is a star? Why is stars in heaven? There are many things that, are, that have many, right? Why stars? So a star is not just that there's a lot of them. A star serves a function, or at least looks like something. A star against the, the backdrop of darkness, the star shines. And the message is for us that even in a world that sometimes is cold and cruel, we need to shine with the warmth and love of Torah. That's our calling. Our calling is to be like the stars of heaven, to not just fade into the background and do what everyone else is doing, and, but to, to really to shine and be a, be a, a, good, a good light into the nations. Okay. All right. That's for that's uh, the end of chapter ten. Let's continue. Let's continue with chapter the beginning of chapter eleven. Let me just pause here. Make sense so far? Yes. Good. Okay. Deuteronomy chapter eleven. Here we go. Therefore, says Moses, once again, you shall love the Lord your God. You realize this is like the third time in this in this reading this stuff has been mentioned. You shall love the Lord your God, keep His charge, His statutes, His ordinances, His commandments all the days. 
If there's one thing that Moses is going to tell the people, it's don't drop the ball. Keep Torah, keep mitzvot, keep Judaism going. And you shall know this day. And you shall know this day, says Moses, that I speak not with your children who did not know and who did not see the chastisement of the Lord your God, His greatness, His mighty hand, and His outstretched arm. Your kids didn't see it. They didn't see His signs, His deeds, which He performed in the midst of Egypt, the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to His entire land. And that your kids did not see what he did to the army of Egypt, to its steeds and to its chariots, steeds meaning the horses and the chariots that he caused the waters of the Red Sea or the Reed Sea to inundate them when they pursued you and the Lord destroyed them to this day. And your children also did not see what he did for you in the desert until you arrived at this place and what he did to Datan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, that the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up in their households and their tents and all their possessions at their feet in the midst of all Israel. Your kids didn't see that. Let's, let's, see, let's go back and see what they didn't see. They didn't see the exodus. They didn't see the splitting of the sea. They didn't see the miracles in the desert. They didn't see the miracles of Korach being swallowed up by the earth with all of the other rabble-rousers. But... Your eyes did see. Your eyes. You guys. Moses speaking to people. You. But your eyes which have seen the, all the great work of the Lord which he did. Therefore Moses says, because you've seen, keep all the commandments that I command you this day in order that you may be strong and come to possess the land in which you are coming to possess it. You guys saw. How can you see and not be impacted? How can you see and not have that vision seared in your memory, seared in, your, in every fiber of your being? So keep the commandments in order that you may be strong to possess the land and in order that you may prolong your days on the land. So two things. When you keep the mitzvot, you will conquer the land. And when you continue to keep the mitzvot, you will stay on the land that the Lord swore to your forefathers to give to them and their, and their seed. Which land? You know it. Eretz, Zavat, Chalav, Udavash. A land flowing with milk and honey. This is how this reading ends. Very powerfully, very powerfully. Moses is speaking directly to his people, to his generation. And he says, you guys, you have first-hand knowledge. And I know what I just said a moment ago. I know I just said that you and I also see the miracles. But Moses specifically refers to certain miracles, the Exodus. You guys saw the Exodus. I mean, this was the next generation, so maybe they were kids, right? They were little kids, okay? But you guys, you saw the Exodus. You saw the experience of splitting of the sea. You saw the miracles in the desert, the manna from heaven, right? You saw the miracle with, um, with Korach and his crew that were swallowed by the earth. You saw these great miracles and wonders. So now, how can you just turn away from God and say, nah, Nah. Yeah, God wants it, but I got, I got my own thing going on. How's it possible? Right? God is God. God is, uh, God is everything. You can't just turn away from it. You, you've seen too much to drop the ball. Of course, the question that comes from this, the, direct, the immediate question is, well, hold on. Hold on. Hold up. So what do we do? We didn't see all these things. So for us, it's secondhand knowledge. Third hand, fourth hand, fifth hand. Right, all these generations later. 
So Moses speaking to that generation. He says, you guys saw it, stay committed. But we didn't see it. We weren't there. Were you, did you experience the exodus? No. I mean, our people did, but as an individual, were we there? No. We were at Sinai. All of our souls were at Sinai, but not these other things. It says that specifically about Sinai, but not everything else. And notice that Moses doesn't mention Sinai. Moses doesn't say, you were there at Sinai. He talks about the exodus, the splitting of the sea, the miracles in the desert, and the Korach incident. He doesn't talk about Sinai. Why not? He should have added Sinai. You saw what happened at Sinai. It doesn't go there. Because Sinai is not exclusive to that generation. That generation had an exclusive vision of certain things, and he lists the exclusives. He lists the exclusives, and he says, you guys saw things that no one else saw. Don't drop that. You cannot, don't sell that for a, for a, for a bowl of barsh for nothing. Don't, don't sell out. You guys saw it so much. You, saw, you know the truth. You've seen it with your own eyes. All right, but that raises the question. The more we prop up that generation, the more the question is, okay, but what about us? We didn't see all these things. So my, my, here's my take. Here's my take. It's one, one person's take, but here's my take. The message here is that Moses is trying to really encourage his, this generation, don't drop the ball. And at the same time, make sure to educate your children from that firsthand knowledge. Make sure to educate the next generation. They know that you saw it. If they know that you saw it and it's true to them, it'll be true to them. And it's true to you, it'll be true to them also. Tell your kids, you know what I saw? The exodus, the splitting of the sea. I tasted the manna from heaven. I had the clouds of glory protect me. I saw the earth open up and swallow Korach. God is real. Judaism is real. Torah mitzvot are real. It's real. It's legit. Moses says, you know that. You have that narrative. It's your narrative. It's your story. It happened to you. So now what? It should only be one generation. What's implied? Again, my take. What's implied is Moses telling them, you know it's true. Now tell it to your kids. And then they'll tell their kids that it's true. And it's worked. Because in 2021, 3,300 years after the, the events that we're reading about, after Moses' speech, final speech to the people, 3,300 years after that, we're still here and we still have the same narrative. And no, I wasn't in Egypt and I didn't witness the, 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 the Nile River turn to blood and I didn't see the frogs come out and I didn't see the darkness hid and the death of the firstborn and I didn't walk through the Red Sea and watch it collapse in the Egyptians and I did not taste the man in heaven nor did I experience the clouds of glory nor did I witness the earth opening up and swallowing Korach. I didn't see those with my own eyes. But I know people who did. Okay, I know about people who did. And I know about people who did because in every generation, parents and educators dared, not dared, they were courageous enough to pass the message forward, which we have to this very day. And the message is as vibrant as it is today. Judaism is real because these things happen. How do I know? Because I saw. Not I, but our, our ancestors saw. And it's an unbroken chain of evidence, of testimony, it's an unbroken chain of our heritage. This is our story. This is what we saw. This is our people. This is our ancestors. This is our story.
And so, yeah, Moses is directly encouraging that generation. He's saying to that generation, don't drop the ball, you saw it. But you know what? The limitation is, okay, but it's only one generation that saw it. What about the next generation? What about the next generation? Right? They didn't see it. The message is what I'm trying to say. The message is that, yes, you didn't see The next generation didn't see it, but they're going to hear from those who saw it. And their kids, they're going to tell, you know what your Bubby and Zadie saw? You'll never believe it. And then the next generation said, you know what your elder Bubby and Zadie, what the great, great, etc. And that's where we are today. Ray, one second, I'm going to get to you. I see your hand. Don't worry, I got you. I got you. I got you. So what this means is that you and I can confidently say, we know this happened because of this message of Jewish continuity. Because of this, not message, because of this unbroken dedication to passing along the message. That's why we're here. It's because for all these generations, Jewish parents, Jewish educators, the generation collectively said, we know this happened. This is our story. Let's communicate it to the kids and inspire them. And this is where we're at. Ray, jump in. Hold on. You got on mute. This is what we do every Pesach at the Seder. We tell them the story. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. And on Pesach, it's an experiential journey, right? We tell our kids, taste the matzah. This is what it tasted like. Eat the bitter herbs. That's what they tasted like. Salt water, the mortar, the charoset, right? All of that stuff. The leaning, the four cups, the koshal the, the Elijah's cup. It's experiential, right? Beautifully said. We do this in such a rich way on Passover, but really, not only once a year, really on an ongoing basis. And that's the way we're here. So Moses says to that generation, you guys, you saw so much. You know the truth from the inside out. No one has to convince you, but remember what you saw. And then, again, the unspoken message is, and then, now that you know what you saw, make sure that you're going to pass it down to the next generation. I want to quickly look at um, tomorrow's reading. Let's take a look. Um, Yeah, again, so I just want to clarify what I'm trying to say here. I know I've said it like a, a bunch of times, but just to clarify, bigger picture, yeah. Okay, good. We're on schedule for tomorrow and uh, reading 6 and 7. You know, the immediate implication, the, the immediate message is Moses to that generation. But on a deeper implicit level, Moses telling them to, to keep the message going forward. And it has been. And it's worked. We're here. We still, we're still here. We're still studying Torah and doing mitzvot. So this worked. Moses entreaties. Moses please. Moses inspiration clearly has lasting impact. All right. Questions or comments? Questions, comments. Thank you, Rabbi. Pleasure. My pleasure. Ray. Uh, About the retreat again, could you tell me, I I need to get information and how do I... Sure, 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 sure. Okay. So, how about this? What if I email you? I'm going to email you the direct link. I can put it into the chat here as well that it can be clicked on. Okay. All right. <laughs> Email. Right. No worries. I'm going to put it in the chat anyway, just in case it is beneficial. I'm actually going to put the register page. Where is this? 
hlightretreat.com. Here we go. And we get a discount, yes. Yeah, so if you go, and this is for everybody, um, boom, it's in the link, it's in the, ch it's in the, um, the chat right now, but Ray, I'll email to you individually. So okay, if you, you go to that link, myjli.com slash retreat, you get to a page, and the page will have the date that you want to choose. So I would recommend, if you want to, you know, I would recommend Thursday the 12th. So you click on the 12th, okay? You start off in the morning, 9 a.m. You can go either 9 to 3 or 3 to 11 or 9 to 11. In other words, you can go like morning to afternoon, afternoon to evening, or the whole day. So depending on your schedule, you could do a, the morning session. You could do the first half of the day, which includes workshops and lessons and lunch. You could do the second half, which includes dinner and workshops and, and a concert, or the whole day, which I would recommend. Um, if you do the whole day, then you choose 9, 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. Then there's a promo code area. There's a box that says promo code. You type in the three letters, I-J-A, and you hit apply. What time is your first session? That you're My presenting? first session is 11.30 a.m. Well, I think it's the same time. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that the same? Oh, all right. Well, there you You're go. You're doing a couple, right? I was, I'm going to do a second one also. I was actually going to do a 1020 and an afternoon, but I had to move it because that morning is a very special celebration. What is the celebration, you might ask? Shalom Solish, right? You guys have met Shalom, right? Well, he's somewhere else in this house right now. But Shalom will be putting on tefillin for the first time that morning. Oh, and yeah, it's a Hanach's tefillin. That has to be a special day. Yeah, so, so we have like a special thing. So he puts on tefillin. We'll have, a, we'll have a service. And we'll have like a breakfast. And he'll say a part so of the... Does it have to be like a certain number of days before he turns 13? Yeah, the custom is two months. Um, but we added a week because when there's a holiday within those two oh. months, so Sukkot is in those two months, and you don't put on tefillin. Our custom is not to put on tefillin during Sukkot, so you lose about a week. So in order to get about two months of tefillin wrapping, so you move it up another week. So it's actually two months and a week before his actual bar mitzvah. Oh, so it starts with a pre-festivity. That's nice. Well, it started with a bris. I'm just saying. It started well before that. Started with a started with a shalom zachar. It started with the Friday night, and then we had a bris, and then we had an upshernish. I mean, my gosh, this kid. We've thrown so many parties for him already. Oh my gosh. Anyway, can I know how beautiful? So yeah, so he'll be putting on film. We're still um, we still haven't finalized details on that. It might be up um, by the school. Although the school wouldn't have started yet, but there might be enough going around over there, or it might be by Chabad. We're not usually we do it at the school, um, the, the, the tefillin by the school, and then the bar mitzvah obviously in the shul by us. But we'll, we're still just finalizing those details. But of course, everyone will be invited to that. Whoever wants to come out, it'll be in the morning, probably like an eight o'clock, seven thirty, eight o'clock deal. Um, and then again, we'll dive in. He'll put on tefillin, which you know is just him putting on tefillin. But then afterwards bit of a breakfast with some l'chaims and celebration, and he'll recite part of a Hasidic discourse about the significance of tefillin in Yiddish by heart. Oh. 
beautiful. Yeah, that's like, beautiful. right, so there's a chassidic discourse on tefillin. Okay, wow, that's big. In Yiddish, like, whoa, by heart, that's like juggling on a unicycle, on a tightrope with fire, with sharks underneath it. Anyway, but Baruch Hashem, he's, um, one second, let me see if he's here. Excuse my, uh, let me mute myself while I call him. One second. Shalom. Shalom. All right. He didn't, oh. Shalom, come here for a second. Here's the young man himself. <laughs> and, and he's excited. We're talking about your, your tefillin thing. So we're talking about your mimer, your chesed discourse in Yiddish. But we said that you're not only going to be doing a chesedic discourse on tefillin, on the topic of tefillin, in Yiddish, by heart, but you're also going to be doing it on a unicycle, on a tightrope, while juggling <laughs> fire over a, a lake of sharks. Oh, I'm so sorry. He just told me, he just told me, he's like, I thought that was a secret. <laughs> I guess, cats, I ruined it for everybody. I about. Anyway, so Shama, you ready for the discourse? Yeah. Ish? Not, I'm not done, but... Right. Okay. I'm doing it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that's it. So that's, so, so anyway, that's a long answer to a short question. So that morning, I have, another, I had to change my 1020 or whatever it was because of this, um, because of the, because of the Simcha, so... We'll be doing it about, I think mine is 11.25. Probably it sounds like the same time as yours. So you'll have to choose. Anyway, I, I, I would hate putting everyone in that position, but nonetheless, so that it, it is what it is. And then there's one in the afternoon. Oh, but anyway, getting back to, this, to the story over here. So go to, go to that website, myjline.com slash retreat. Choose that, whatever, whatever that you want. But if you want that Thursday, you choose Thursday. If you want to do one half or another half or the whole day, you choose that. And then type in IJA and you get $100 off. Automagically. It's magic. So that's it. All right. And we're wearing masks, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. I believe so. Let me check the, um, the website. It changes day to day. <laughs> well, let me check the retreat website. What do they say? All right, I'm sure it's somewhere. We'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's it's really a beautiful program. World class speakers. It sounds like So everyone's gonna enjoy it if you can make it. Okay. Good. All right. I'll let everybody go. I'll, I want to wish you a wonderful day. Once again, I mean, we're a few few a few weeks over here without Thursday night classes. Anyway, as we we get ready, we gear up for our new year coming up academically. So again, no class tonight, but we're back tomorrow with DPP. I look forward to seeing you all then. Any other announcements? Sunday is the barbecue. Join us if you can. It's going to be fabulous. We have just amazing food and some really great, uh, great friends joining. It's going to be a lot of fun. 5 p.m. on Sunday, right behind Chabad, adjacent to the Beltline, outdoors. It's going to be beautiful. Um, what else did I want to mention? Take a look at the other stuff on the website coming up. A lot of fun stuff. All right. I'm signing off. We'll see you guys. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Pleasure. Bye, Sarah. Bye, Sandrine. Bye, Ray. Bye, Donna. Take care, everybody.